0: Thank you so much for joining us today and listening to a PCF podcast. We believe listening to the Word of God will change your life. God bless you as you continue listening to this podcast. Today, you know, is the 3rd of December, 2023. Did you know that it's make a gift day? The idea being to create our own Crafts as gifts. So it's promoted throughout the world. Today is National Roof Over Your Head Day. <laughs> yep. I looked all this up, you know, I'm not just guessing this. <laughs> to do with homelessness, obviously. Today is World Coty Day. It's the one going up now. It's a little furry creature from South America and parts of North America. And it's an endangered species. So it's World Coty Day. Isn't that amazing? I've never heard of them before, to be honest with you. And then, and lastly, it's Let's Hug Day. True? Apparently, hugging reduces stress it, it reduces blood pressure, it reduces heart rate, and it also improves our immune system. So I suggest now that we have a health check. <laughs> just go and give someone a quick hug now, a minute. I'm also reminded that today is Advent Sunday. The fourth Sunday before December the 25th. And I've just heard this morning that It's Jeff's spiritual birthday today. He gave his life 60 years ago today on Advent Sunday. Right, you've had your moment of glory. Keep quiet now. (laughs) I'm only joking. But Advent actually means coming. And it's one of the major seasons celebrated by most Christian churches. An Advent represents a period during which we prepare for the birth of Christ. We celebrate our faith and we anticipate the eventual resurrection of the Son of God. Amen. Eh? Amen. So it's a time when God shares his love with us as we should share our love with him and each other. And it's also a time when he shows us how he would like us to live at this time, loving each other with God's love in us. One of the practices of Advent is the introduction of Advent calendars. Now, Advent calendars, in one form or another, came about sometime in the 19th century, about the 1850s or something like that, by German Lutherans. It was their way to mark the days of the season leading up to Christmas. By the early 20th century, 1920s, uh, calendars were being manufactured and published in Germany, aimed at delighting the kids in the festive season. In the 1930s, the Nazi party started using them as a propaganda tool, trying to instill loyalty in children to the fatherland. After the war, the Americans saw them, they took them back to the States, and that's when they really took off. In 1958, Cadbury's introduced the first chocolate calendar, (laughs) and the rest is history. (laughs) Today, we have become an inseparable part of Christmas and Advent, the Advent calendar. And you can get them any theme. From Frozen to Darth Vader. I looked online. Wedgwood, the pottery people, have brought an advent calendar out this year. And in it is 24 boxes of Wedgwood pottery, little miniatures. I thought I'll have a couple of them. The problem is they're £860 each. (laughs) So bought three. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. Sorry, Sue, I didn't. Honestly, I was looking at the calendar the other day. And I, and I worked out that we, we we're 333 days into this year. And we're just 22 days left to Christmas. That's a scary thought, isn't it? So let me ask you, what do you think of when you think of Christmas? I love the story of the little girl who climbed onto Santa's lap. She asked, and Santa asked the usual question. And what would you like for Christmas? The little girl stared at him. Shock, horror, open mouth, aghast, in total shock. And then screamed at him, didn't you get my tweet? (laughs) Isn't that a sign of the times today, eh? When I think of Christmas these days, I think of it as Overtime. We overspend. We over we buy overpriced goods. We overeat because we overindulge. We overparty. We overbuy food enough to send a, an army out on a campaign. We have overly long gift lists. We have overabundant holiday timetable. Makes us so busy, busy, busy. And guess what? We become overindulgent. We become over nostalgic. When we think of our family past and present at Christmas time. And there's nothing wrong in that. All of this is just normal today. So what I want to suggest to you this morning is this Christmas, let's spend our overtime thinking about the real reason for the season. Jesus. So today I have called this message, Who is this man? Jesus. And I want to start by reading you from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 21. And it's from the New King James Version. And it says this, Now the birth of Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being just a man and not wanting to make Her A public example was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people, from their sins. Who is this man, Jesus? I'm reminded of the amusing story of this burglar who broke into this posh house and as he was looking around for something to steal, he heard this soft voice say to him, Jesus is watching you thinking that it was his imagination. He continued to search throughout the room. Again, the voice said, Jesus is watching you. He turned, pointing his flashlight around the room, and he came across this parrot in a cage. And the parrot said, He said, Are you the one talking? And the parrot said, Yes. And Jesus is still watching you. (laughs) He then asked the parrot, what, was your, what is your name? And the parrot said, Moses. <laughs> the burglar burst out laughing and said, What kind of people would name a parrot Moses? The parrot said, The same kind of people that would name their vicious pit bull Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> this morning, who is this man, Jesus? Well, the name Jesus means saviour. One who rescues another from distress one who risks his own life to save another, one who saves another person from certain death. The scripture tells us in verse 21, And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So according to the Bible, the greatest problem every person faces is their sin. This morning I want to tell you that if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. Friends, this morning, our greatest need is forgiveness of sin so he sent us a savior and she shall and he she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins who is this man jesus well he became man to save us from sin what is sin John Bunyan says it pretty good, the English writer and teacher. He said this in 1678, that sin is the dare of God's justice, the rape of God's mercy, the jeer of his patience, the slight of his power and the contempt of his love. 1 John 3 verse 4 puts it clearly when it says that everybody who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. I'll tell you a story. You've all heard of Leonardo da Vinci, the famous painter and inventor. One of his most famous paintings is the Fresco, the, 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 the picture of the Last Supper, which he painted in 1495. That's it there. Where he depicts Jesus eating his final meal with his disciples, which is told in the Gospel of John. And specifically, this is the moment when Jesus announces that one of his apostles will betray him. When da Vinci was preparing to paint this masterpiece, he began seeking, he began looking for a man who could model the face of Jesus Christ. And after many months, he found this man who was a singer in a choir of one of the churches of Rome. The man was lovely in life and his features were perfect. And this young man's name was Pietro Bandinelli. He, he came and did the thing. Three years passed and the painting remained unfinished. Because Da Vinci, who was able to finish everything except the final character, who was Judas Iscariot, he could not find a face that represented to him the ugliness of Judas's heart. So Da Vinci began looking long and hard to find a man whose face reflected horror and ugliness, a face that children would run from. At last he found this man on the streets of Rome, a beggar with a face so horrible and villainous that da Vinci shuddered when he looked at it. Da Vinci hired the man to sit as his model for Judas. Now, if you look at that picture up there, Judas is the fourth one along, the one with the lowest face, That one here. He's the only one that hasn't got the light of Christ shining on him. He's the only one that has his elbows on the table. True. I looked into this, you know. He painted his face onto the canvas. And when da Vinci had finished, and he was about to dismiss the man, he said, by the way, I have not asked your name. The man replied, my name is Pietro Bandanelli. I also sat for you as your model for Christ. Oh. Friends, can I say this morning, sin in and on our lives is ugly. And this man, Pietro Bandanelli, has fallen into a life of sin. And that sin had made what was beautiful ugly. This morning, I want to remind us that sin is to life what rust is to metal. Sin is to life what a virus is to a computer. Sin is to life what a stain is to white clothes. Sin is our biggest problem. But guess what? The greatest news that anyone could ever hear is also written in the Bible. And it says in John 3:16, "For God so loved the world, and He gave us His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life." Friends, it was love that moved Jesus, uh, moved God into sending His Son Jesus to earth. And it was love that moved Jesus to hang on to that cross for you and for me this morning. Who is this man, Jesus? Well, he became man in order to defeat death. Hebrews 2 verses 14 and 15 says this, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus came in the flesh as a man to die in our place. So to do that, he had to have a human body a body that was subject to physical death in order for him to pay our sin debt. Acts 2 verse 24 says, Whom God raised up having loosened the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Friends, death is our enemy. It robs us of those we love. It steals time from us. It keeps us apart from God. You see, we were not made for death. We were made for life. Yet by breaking the power of sin, Jesus destroyed the power of death. And in so doing, he has removed, friends, he has removed the sting of death and opened the doors for the eternal life. Every single one of us here in this room this morning. Who is this man, Jesus? Well, he became man to identify with our human frailties. Hebrews 4, verses 15 to 16 says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Because of this, Jesus understands how we think and feel this morning because he was human just as we are. Jesus spent approximately 33 years on this earth. He came the same way we did through birth. He grew up as a child like we did. He then became a teenager like we did and then became an adult. And in that time, he experienced hunger and thirst. He he felt things deeply. He, He felt happiness. He felt sorrow. He wept. So he can identify with and have compassion for all things that make us so human. And because he is a man, he can come to our aid and our, as our sympathetic high priest, as our understanding high priest. When we reach the limits of our human weaknesses, when we reach the limits of our trials and our endurances, he is there with us. Today, friends, we have a king. We have a king called Jesus who understands every single one of us this morning. Who is this man, Jesus? Well, he became man to fulfil the demands of the law, of God's law For humanity. Matthew 5 verses 17 to 18 says this. Do not think that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you. Till heaven and earth pass away. One jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law. Till all is fulfilled. Our problem. The problem that humans, us, have with our sinful nature is that we we find it so difficult to keep God's law. Our flesh is too weak. Yet God demands the law to be fulfilled. So Jesus, he became our flesh to fulfill the law in our place. So when we place our faith in him, He takes our law-breaking record on himself and places his perfect, sinless record on us, on our shoulders in our lives. And friends, you know what that does? It makes us righteous before God. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says it all, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Who is this man, Jesus? Well, he became man to fulfill prophecy. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6 says, Behold, the days are coming when, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell safely. Now this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. The Old Testament prophecies spoke of a Messiah to come, a ruler who would descend from King David's lineage and rule forever. Zechariah 9, verse 9, wrote wrote this 500 years before Jesus. And he says, This, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. And he is just and having salvation. You know, it's been estimated that more than 300 messianic prophecies in scripture. Jesus fulfilled when he became flesh, when he became a man and dwelt amongst us. This guy called J. Barton Payne, a scholar, he found 574 verses in the Old Testament that somehow point to or describe or reference the coming Messiah. So today, friends, Jesus is... The fulfilment of scripture. He is the word. He is the light. He is the truth. And he is the way for every single one of us here this morning. Amen. Amen. Who is this man Jesus? Well, he became man to offer his body as a sacrifice. 1 Peter 3 verse 18 says, For Christ also died for our sins once and for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You know, if the blood of goats and bulls could take away sin, there would have been no need for Jesus to come as a man. But animal sacrifices were never intended to bring salvation. They were simply a means of obedience that allowed God to overlook sin until the perfect sacrifice came his son, and then until that was completed. You see, this morning, Jesus is our perfect sacrifice for each and every one of us because he is one of us because he is sinless because he is divine who is this man jesus well he became man to show us the way to live when jesus became a man he gave us the perfect example to follow he used his attitudes towards life his attitudes towards the world his attitudes towards sin and his love and compassion for all to see he showed us sorry he showed us how to pray he showed us how to live he showed us how to interact with people who are against us He showed us how to teach. He showed us how to love and how to show compassion. In short, he demonstrated everything we need to see in order to know how to live this life. His human life was the perfect pattern. It was the perfect template of how we ought to live as true creations which are made in the image of God. Who is this man, Jesus? I'm getting to the end now, and I want to tell you a story. The author is unknown, but the story was well known in the 1950s and the 1960s. I think it's believed to be true. A story, the story describes a man, a farmer, who just couldn't put his faith in Jesus. Because the idea of God incarnate, the idea of God in human flesh was just too unbelievable to believe. It was too bizarre to believe. In fact, it was too stupid to believe. It didn't make any sense to him at all. So at Christmas, he decided that, I'm not going to church again. Because when I go to church, he said, I feel like a hypocrite. So the man stayed at home on his farm. Later that same day, a great storm arrived. And the weather became absolutely horrendous. And as he sat in his room... He heard this banging on the window and it was a a, a flock of birds. They had lost their way in the storm and they needed shelter and all they could see, the birds, was this light. So they kept banging into the window one by one in a blind panic. The man wanted to help, you know, being a farmer and everything. So he had the idea of directing the birds into his nice warm barn. So he tried to direct them. He tried everything, waving his arms around. He tried opening the doors, shooing them in that direction. He tried everything he could to get their attention, but to no avail. You see, they were afraid of him. They did not trust him. Finally frustrated, he thought to himself, if only... If only I could become a bird like them. I could tell them in their language that I want to save them and they shouldn't be afraid of me. At that precise moment, the church bells began ringing in the distance and the greater meaning of what he had just said suddenly dawned on him, suddenly became clear to him. Who? is this man jesus well friends jesus became a man to explain to us who god is not only that he shows us the way to safety you see he this morning is our salvation i wonder whether the group could come back cheers guys it's a fantastic job you're all doing So this Christmas, have a great time going to all your Christmas parties and whooping it up a bit. Have a great time with your families. I know we've got family coming from Spain this Christmas. Have a great time watching all of those cheesy Christmas movies, which we all love so much. Have a great time opening all of your presents. Oh, I'm looking forward to that too, aren't I? I love opening <laughs> a present. Have a great time eating your Christmas dinner. Turkey and, and all the trimmings. Followed by mince pies. Oh, I love mince pies. Or Christmas pudding. Whichever, do suits. But whatever you do, don't forget this man, Jesus, this Christmas. You see... He came to save us from sin. He came to defeat death. He came to fulfill God's law. He came to be like us and understand us. He came to fulfill prophecy. He came to offer his body as a living sacrifice. And he came to show us the way to live. So he deserves our time. This Christmas. Philippians 2. Verses 6 to 8. And I'll finish with this. And it says this. Who being in the form of God. Did not consider it robbery. To be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bondservant. And coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Friends, whatever we do this Christmas, let's not forget this man, Jesus. Bless you all. Thank you. Thank you, guys.